All right, hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Groom Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It is Saturday afternoon. Um, I'll be putting this podcast up Sunday, some point, uh, getting you ready for week one against the Arizona Cardinals. It's legitimately hard to believe that we are here, but the calendar says it's September 2nd. They play September uh, 10th, so we are off and running with the 2023 season. Um, joining me today to sort of give an overview of where we feel we are with this team is Denton Day from the Team 980. Uh, Denton does a great job on Kevin Sheehan's podcast. He's got his own uh, stuff as well. He's been covering this team uh, in various ways for a bit, and I think he's got some good views, so I wanted to have Denton on. Um, we got into sort of what are we more optimistic about now than we were before the season started or before training camp started and all that. Were we still more concerned or or, or equally concerned to where we were previously? Uh, I had a top five most indispensable players on the team. We had a long talk about Chase Young. And uh, also, we, you know, the game that's sweeping America – that still does not have a name where I come up with lines uh, for two um, as a way to discuss if something, what is, you know, better or worse, essentially kind of, or who, who is, who's the favorite, who's the underdog rather than just saying, I like this or that um, included in there, a lot of Sam Howe and some Jimmy Buffett, because sadly today, Jimmy Buffett uh, passed away. So we talked a little bit about that as well. Uh, Make sure you hit that subscribe button, whether you're an iTunes or a Spotify person or wherever you do your podcasting, hit that button so you won't miss out on what we're doing here throughout the season. Um, you know, my goal is always is going to be to try to do probably at least three episodes a week, uh, depending on the schedule that maybe more could be less, but the ideal would be three. I don't typically have like a set date, that I, a set day of the week, but, you know, one after the game. Um, if not that night, depending on the time of the game, the next, you know, the next morning, um, one mid, one midweek, and then probably one on like Thursday or at the worst early Friday morning to get a set for what's to come next. And, you know, I'm excited with some of the guests that I hope to have on with regularity this year. Uh, by the way, I don't say this enough, but like if there are guests I have or guests I don't that you would like to hear on this team, I mean, don't ask me to get Adam Schefter per se, but if there's people that like, you know, that you think, hey, every time this person's on, I really like it, or you know what, you should maybe look at this person or you know, if you want to tell me on, on the DL, on email at uh, or email bstandig at theathletic.com, who maybe we need less of. I'm always curious for your feedback. Alright, let's get to some news here, though, before Denton and I talk. Um, obviously, there was an interesting week from a transaction standpoint and some other news. I mentioned Chase Young, um, I reported on Thursday. Thir- yeah, Thursday. That Chase Young, we know he has not practiced since he got that stinger against the Browns on August 4th. August 4th? Well, the first preseason game. I might be wrong the date, but you know what I mean. Um, He has not, and he has not been cleared for contact. Now, Ron Rivera told us, a week ago that Chase Young was going to meet with a doctor and that that doctor was to discuss when he could be cleared for contact. And then twice after that, Rivera 
was asked for an update. He declined to give us one. So what I reported now just a couple days ago was that Chase Young is still not cleared for contact, that Chase Young is going to meet with another doctor. I believe that, in fact, was to have happened uh, yesterday, Friday. And now that we're here, where we are on the calendar, he is uncertain for week one. Um, That is uh, tough. I mean, you know, you want the guy out there. You want him healthy for, for his own sake. You want him on the field because we know when he's right, he can be a legit difference maker. But it's been so long since he's been that guy. I mean, really, if you go all the way back to his rookie season of 2020, since we've seen that guy, he wasn't very good relative to his um up you know expectations before his injury in 2021 and last year was you know a non-factor in the three games he played so we'll see um what he looks like the, the team has been quiet you know as i said ron rivera basically refused to give us any updates i think what is going on here my my sort of view of this and from what i'm in talking to people is that they're trying not to set any expectations from a time frame because of what happened last year. Because it, you know, it was pretty apparent that the staff felt he could go back in, but he wasn't comfortable and it lingered way longer than uh, most people anticipated happening. And I think they're trying to not put any of those expectations on him this year. Now, it is worth noting he was not placed on. There's no short-term IR at this point. Once the final cuts are made, it's just IR. But it means you're at at least four weeks in that version versus if you're placed on an IR before the final cuts like Braden Daniels, you're out for the year. They didn't place him on IR yet. So that would suggest that at this point, they think he should be able to play somewhere within the first four games. I, I, you know, I, I feel, and this is more of just a, a gut instinct, I kind of feel like we're not going to see him week one. Uh, whether that's because, you know, he's been out for a while or because it's the Cardinals and not that they're looking past an opponent, but, you know, you don't necessarily need an all-hands-on-deck situation. You still have Smith-Williams and Two Hill, Casey Tuhill, who played a lot last year, um, obviously plus Montez Sweat. Um, so we'll see where they are next week. If he's not practicing um, in full by the time they get back out there on Wednesday, then I think we can probably safely assume he won't play <clears throat> in the opener. But for now, it is an uncertain situation, and that is stressful enough uh, there. Now, I mentioned um, the defensive line. They did place Fedarian Mathis on IR. We discussed that the other day. They also were put F.A. Obata there. That was a little bit more of a surprise, but Obata is dealing with a patella injury. Uh, he went out to practice last week, and it just it, it just wasn't right. They need to let the injury uh, sort of uh, cool down a bit. Um, so he's out at least the first four games. And, you know, he's not only one of those defensive ends that could replace Chase Young, but he would have been viewed as a guy that could help out when Fedarian Mathis is out at, as some depth there. They did sign Abdullah Anderson, who was with the team all year. Anderson played a, a bunch last year. So it, it, it's a guy that has played in the league. Um, so they do have, uh, you know, four def- pure defensive tackles plus James Smith-Williams available. Um, they also, of course, re-signed Tyler Larson to help out with the offensive line. So as deep as this defensive line is, and they kept 11 players, you know, two guys are on IR. A third is iffy 
And, uh, you know, this is why you have depth. So if there's going to be a position where they can afford some issues, this would be one of them. Uh, speaking of injuries, Terry McLaurin, still not sure when he will be back. He was seen in a walking boot um, this past week. You know, again, these these sprained toes or turf toe situations uh, can definitely linger. They're certainly painful. Again, I think this is a game where if you're at all debating what whether he should play, you should probably sit him out. Um, you know, again, not looking past the Cardinals, but between Jahan Dodson, Curtis Samuel, um, who Denton and I also talk about, and Deami Brown alone, Byron Pringle too, they they have enough there at receiver to more than get by. So to me, if we don't see McLaurin by Wednesday, I would have to imagine he is not playing in the opener. And then the question is just when is he able to come back and play and, and to what degree, uh, you know, ha, you know, how close to a hundred percent is he uh, at that point? Um, Jamin Davis, he was back in court this week for his reckless driving charge. But the, the, his case has ultimately been delayed until March. Um, when at the moment there's a talk of having a jury trial, uh, again, for his, uh, uh, reckless driving charge. He's because the situation was delayed. That means there's no jail time in season. There may be jail time after the season, a few days, but for now he's able to push that back and, uh, focus on football. So that's. I don't want to say good news from the purely football perspective. You know, that is good news. I reckless driving is rough. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there um, in a few months um, there. Lastly, the team announced that the the home opener against the Cardinals is officially a sellout. Um, Obviously there's a lot of excitement in the air for the the ownership change. Um, as Jason Wright pointed out this week on the radio on 106.7 The Fan, but also just logically, the Cardinals are not a um, draw. They're not a team that travels. Their fans don't travel. So this is a commander sellout as opposed to, like, say, when the Eagles show up and a sellout might mean 60-40 or something, right? This is a commander sellout. So props to everybody who who went. I, I know I, I asked on Twitter who who bought tickets that maybe didn't otherwise. And several people said, yeah, I'm raising my hand. I did this for whatever the reason they had boycotted Snyder for years. And now we're willing to go back. They were just excited for the, for the opener, you know, lots of changes here with this team. Um, So yeah. So awesome. I hope everybody has a blast. I will be there of course in the uh, no cheering press box, but uh, I I, I will plan on getting there earlier than normal because I don't want to get stuck in traffic. So best of luck to everybody on that front. Uh, last thing for me with regards to anything is uh, my NFL agent survey. Uh, part one came out early last week. I hit on a bunch of league-wide topics, including the the running back market, why those guys are not getting paid, thoughts on Lamar Jackson's contract, Roger Goodell, uh, who is the most um, unstable franchise if it is not the commanders, right? Uh although they were discussed in there. Uh, And so that was that. But part two came out on Thursday, and part two was primarily focused on the commanders. Topics included, you know, what are expectations for Eric Biennemi this year? What do the people think about Ron Rivera? 
Uh, any advice for Josh Harris? Got into some stadium talk. Also discussed with these agents, what is it, what is life like for Washington now that Dan Snyder is gone from the perspective of an agent, right? Um, and I'll just read through a couple of these here for sure. Now, we all get it. For everybody's mood and vibe and attitude, right, the is unquestionably going to be a happier place without Dan Snyder. But agents have a diff- are not looking at that from the way we are. They're just looking at it from a business perspective. They've got clients to represent. The commanders are one of 32 teams. What's it like now to deal with a le- a, a, what should be a, a far less chaotic situation? And I think what, one of the most consistent answers that we got, or that I got, was they are now going to be fully involved as one of 32 teams that they could send their clients to for reasons beyond just simply, hey, Washington's willing to give you more money than these other teams. Is that good enough to overlook <clears throat> issues? Um, here's what, you know. Here's an example, uh, one quote here um, from an agent. Quote, they were always in the news, but for the wrong reasons. When I go into free agency, I never have players that bring Washington up or bring up Washington as a place they want to go and play. Um, and kind of continues, but says, it's obviously a great city. It could be a place that's one of the most desirable places to play in the league now. Uh, I, I think that was a sentiment that happened all, all, uh, frequently. Um, another, another client said this, you, uh, or another agent said this, you want to send clients to a franchise where you see stability so that a player doesn't have to worry about a change of coaching staff or the front office, which affects players' job security. With Snyder, you just never knew. He sucked the energy out of the building. You want your guys to go to a building that has, it's going to have great energy. You hope the changing ownership gets rid of that negative energy and some really bad decisions they made. I think that's a key factor here. You know, it is, I mean, look, obviously these guys want to have a livelihood. They got to, you know, earn money for their family, for their own situations. But they also want to play football and they want to do it to the best of their ability in a situation that's going to maximize their skills and talents. And, you know, it's not to say that every, even the most stable organizations get everything right. But when you're constantly on the edge of changing X, Y, or Z, or you have an owner who might say, no, 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 I want you guys to draft this player. It didn't happen as much in, in under Rivera, but it, we obviously saw that before that that is not ideal. And so if, it, if, if there can be now evaluated on more than just money, I think that's a big step for how agents are going to view this team going forward. We'll obviously see what Josh Harris, what he, how he operates, but based on what we've seen with him with other teams, I, I think it's going to be, you know, inside the margin of error as opposed to what was going on before with Snyder. Um, the question on Eric Bieniemy. What intrigues you about Eric Bieniemy joining Washington as offensive coordinator, play caller, and assistant head coach? And there's a lot of people who are optimistic that Eric Bieniemy is going to do good stuff. But there's also the part of people who at a minimum just don't know what to make of it and at a maximum have heard enough that they think to suggest this is not going to work out when that's, you know, um, you know his leadership style you know, may not be ideal for some, for some team, for some players. 
and, and therefore there's concerns. I think this one sort of captures, this quote captures the whole deal from one of the agents. Quote, I don't know that there's a more polarizing guy in the league in the sense that you have a faction of former players and analysts who just praise him and think he's going to be, for lack of a better example, Andy Reid. And then you have a faction on the other side that thinks he's going to be a disaster as a coordinator without Andy. I don't have a prediction, but I'm fascinated to see how it all plays out. I think for me, that last one there is kind of where I'm at in the sense of I want to see how it plays out. You can tell me whatever you want that it's that he was better. he's better than people think or he's not going to work out at all. And I can't sit here and go, well, you're wrong. We don't know. He's as much of a mystery in many ways as, as Sam Howe in terms of being a play caller and running an offense. You know, I know Andy Reid has tried to say that Eric did that there. No, Eric did that there. Even if he did it to a degree, you had Andy Reid looking over his shoulder and ultimately having final say. Whereas here, Ron Rivera has clearly given BNME full autonomy to run the offense. So this will be an opportunity to show what Eric Bianami can do, whether that helps him get a head coaching job down the line, who can say, but it is a huge story. It may be the story, even more than Sam Howell to a degree. I mean, it's hard to argue that the quarterbacks, uh, a, a, a quarterback won't be the number one story, but Bianami is very, very high on this list for sure. Um, there's other topics here in this part two that are of note that I think, I think you guys will enjoy reading. By the way, I didn't say it at the top, but you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for a dollar a month for 12 months. So if you want to read any of these uh, surveys or the um, uh, just my regular coverage of the commanders, you can do that. Just click on any one of my articles and uh, the offer should be there and you can subscribe uh, <clears throat> Subscribe there. But a bunch of other topics. Uh, these agents go to stadiums all over the country. So I asked, you know, what's a staple in a stadium? Uh, that you gotta have. I love that so many of them. So many of them answered a lot of toilets. <laughs> um, hey, you know, you, you don't want to wait in line at the bathroom. I think we all understand how that is uh, not uh, not ideal. Um, uh, and then also in here is a part about what what do we think about the idea of NFL agents becoming heads of a front office. In recent years in the NBA, we've seen that Bob Myers with the Warriors did this. Leon Rose with the Knicks is doing this. Bruce Allen did this. Went from being an agent to an executive, and I understand that that's a little more problematic. But the idea, and I asked these agents about that, and some really interesting answers. They didn't all say, of course, we're great. We should be given these jobs. Some of them absolutely said, did not say that and gave reasonable reasons as to why that's the case. Um. Anyway, I just want to say I really appreciate the feedback. You know, I've always gotten pretty good feedback on the surveys, but it really felt like this year it was the positive feedback was overwhelming, um, certainly based on the comments on the article and talking to people, uh, readers, subscribers, people around the league. Um, really enjoyed enjoyed this. And it's a fun process for me to go through. Um, you know, I, I started this, you know, this is the fifth, the fifth uh, version of this survey, and you know, I just, you know, I've, I've said this before, but I just thought that the agents were sort of an untapped resource in this regard in that they they are at the intersection of, obviously, they represent the players. They have to talk to teams on the players' behalf, whether that's the coaching staff as to, hey, what's going on with my guy not getting work or, or you know, not getting as much playing time as maybe you thought or whatever. 
Um, and then also front office in terms of negotiating contracts. And, you know, maybe they don't talk to owners directly often, but you obviously get a feel for where ownership is. And then also, you know, how they treat players. You know, if, if the players have issues, we, we remember the NFL PA survey last year that ranked the commanders last in, in overall satisfaction. Well, the agents are the one who hear these things, whether it's the training staff or just how the teams treat players in general, you get a good feel um, for the agents do for what, you know, which teams do it right and which ones don't. And that's the other thing. It's not just about like, I'm asking questions about the commanders because that's the team we, we talk about here, but they have the context of dealing with almost every team um, at some point. Right. So they understand that something we may look at as positive here. They might say, well, actually, you know, it's kind of subpar relative to other situations in the league or the opposite. Um, hey, I think these guys do a great job, and therefore, um, you know, they should get more credit um, for what's going on here. And also, like, each agent has their own unique perspective. Some of these agents represent the biggest name in, in the sport. Others are representing guys who are trying to get on a practice squad. Um, and then, of course, a combination of all that as well. Some people work for big, powerful agencies. Some people have their own shingle to, to you know that they're doing their own deal not to mention people are their own people and different personalities and and so on and you know you know i know some people will look at these things and especially when somebody's being negative and say oh these agents just have an axe to grind i i really look obviously everybody comes to every situation in life with their own perspective that's just how it is and your answers and this is going to be shaped in some part by what you experience, but, but I will say I was really impressed. I think particularly this time that for the most part, these agents seem to be pretty objective. Go look at the answers to the question about the running back market. These agents represent running backs. And yet, despite that, it's clear that running backs are just not getting paid the way they did years ago. They largely agents largely chalked it up to, this is what the market is dictating. No different than, you know, why uh, some cars go for way more money than others. Or, you know, why some professions have been phased out in favor of others. Um, the market does what the market does. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like people were like going out of their way to, you know, um, give me answers that were just about solely on the, about their situations or their complaints about different, um, people. I, I will say again, just for full transparency. I even lost track of how many questions actually were in here total between the two surveys, but there were more questions that just ultimately did not make the story. So in some cases it was because, you know, it just, the answers just didn't work out to be particularly interesting. In some cases it was a matter of space, right? I mean, the stories are pretty long already and, you know, can't have 10,000 word stories on here. So you had to, had to cut some things uh some things out um and in some cases you know the editors have a say and um you know we obviously have different ownership and uh, you know nobody's told nobody said we can't uh you know we we can't do certain things i was able to ask whatever i wanted to ask but like i said for all these different reasons we we did have to you know cut some uh topics out one one that was uh, probably my most disappointing but i understand where the bosses were coming from there's always these questions I ask every year, which GMs do you trust the most? And then subsequently, which ones do you trust the least? 
the least one this time did not make the cut, which isn't to say that there's not concerns of mentioned about the GMs uh, in the story, right? If you look at the best GM, almost any comment of Howie Roseman was met with begrudging praise. Howie's done a really good job, but, I mean, that was pretty peppered throughout the story. Um, Howie Roseman, uh, for what it's worth, did get the most votes in the trust the least section, which I think this is the third year in a row. So not that surprising there. Um, Eric DaCosta and the Ravens got a few. Uh, Dave Soshi, one of the executives of the Jets, got some. Brandon Bean um, was mentioned. Um, but some of those guys were mentioned in, in other categories as well and, you know, in positive categories. So, you know, ultimately the goal with this pot, with this survey is to try to get a full range of opinions that, that, that show what people think of top of these topics of these people that are in, uh, you know, that are in the mix for these, for these topics and, you know, try to get a feel for what agents think. And it is so interesting. It's interesting when there's consensus in, in any way, shape or form with people who are speaking individually to me. And simultaneously to hear some people say, wow, this guy is a great GM and others say, kidding me, can't stand having to deal with this person or I don't trust them at all. So it's always a fun exercise. If you haven't had a chance to read the whole thing yet, part one and part two is out. You can check that out on The Athletic. And as I said, a dollar a month for 12 months is the current subscription offer. Don't know how long it's lasting. All right. So hopefully you check that out. And plus, you know, um, as I said, I have a story on Monday sort of also putting a look at what are the things that I think at this point uh, with one, you know, with a few days to go before the start of the season, touched on a lot of topics, some that we went through here uh, on the podcast and some that are unique to the website. All right. um, So let's get to this right now. Here's my conversation with Denton Day from the Team 980 about where we are, the good and the concerning with the commanders heading into week one here on the Standard Groom Only Podcast. All right, uh, joining me for the first time on the podcast, he is uh, a guy who has been covering or thinking about this team for many years. He is the producer on the Kevin Sheehan show on the Team 980 from 10 to 1 and occasionally gets his own voice out there. Also, I believe, right, college football insider for Sirius XM? Yeah, yeah, doing a lot of college football stuff with them, uh, post game shows during the uh, during the season. Yeah, All right. Well, there you go. Well, anyway, that is the voice of Denton Day, who is uh, kindly taking some time out of his weekend to talk to me about this team. Uh, Denton, it was like news this morning. Are you a uh, Jimmy Buffett? Sadly, passed away. Are you a uh, parrot head at all? I don't. I don't. You know, I d- Believe it or not, as someone that's 28 years old, I think most people would think that I have no idea who Jimmy Buffett is, but my family raised me correctly, and we love Margaritaville, so I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan. I was sad to see that come across the timeline this morning. Yeah, I feel like, like obviously, there's something to be said for, like, you know, some genres of music live in an era, right? And and they don't necessarily translate to, you know, younger younger generations, which I get. Just like Jimmy's Buffett stuff is just timeless because it puts you – in a place of being a beach bum, you know, being, you know, chill, chill vibes, you know, Margaritaville. I mean, I think that's like pretty ubiquitous. Right. Comment. And, you know, cheeseburgers in paradise. Yes. Like, I mean, every time I hear that song, I immediately need to go eat a cheeseburger. So <laughs> I will be having one today. I am sure. Yeah. So very, very sad news. Um, I think we just got a little bit less chill 
here on uh, planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody loves a good five o'clock somewhere, especially, yeah. you know, we just came off summer, summertime months too. So like, it, it was it was great. You know, it's 10 a.m. You're having a drink, just blaring to some Jimmy Buffett. And I think that was actually for many years on John Thompson's radio show on Team 980. I believe yeah. that was the closing song uh, for, for many years when they were signing off. So yes, uh, kind of full, uh, full circle there. Um, well, welcome to the welcome to the show. I, obviously, we're, we're going to talk about the Commanders, um, and you know, I, I, I um, I, I'm I'm pretty uh, particular with who I bring on here, and <laughs> I, I, you know, Denton and I haven't talked in depth a ton over the years, but there was a one, at least once or twice you were the producer when I did a weekend show mm-hmm. and so I got to hear you there and I hear you with Kevin and I do think Denton's got some pretty good thoughts. So I wanted to get his view uh, on, on the commanders and, and talk through this with me about where we are with them as we head into week one. I mean, we are here by the time you guys hear this, it will be the Monday of Sunday or Monday of week one. So let's just start with that. Denton. I guess, how are you feeling about this team relative to, where you were, whether the start of training camp, the end of last season, how are you feeling about where they're at? You know, I feel good. I feel better than I thought I was going to feel. There were so many questions when the off season started, and there are still a lot of those questions that I don't think have been answered, but I'm way more comfortable now with how I feel about Sam Howell. And because of that, I'm optimistic as we get closer and closer to the start of the season, especially with Arizona you know, I don't, I don't, I don't exactly know what that organization is getting into uh, for this season. It sure seems like they're going to be in a position where they're just trying to get Caleb Williams on their roster. So, and we one, I'm, feel, I'm feeling pretty good about it. Not great, certainly not great, but I, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing, right? The quarterback is so important. You may have heard this <laughs> that Sam Howell's the projection of Sam Howell. Is ultimately the needle chain, the needle mover here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can say, hey, Benjamin St. Juice had a great camp, or Emmanuel Forbes looked the part of a first round pick, or you know what, Sadiq Charles, if he can stay healthy, he's looking like a guy. Yeah. So ultimately, all these other things are important, but it isn't. It's not going to change win projection totals, right? Um, you know, it's not going to change Vegas's lines on a given game. Um, but the quarterback does, and I think Sam Howell has absolutely given us reason to be more hopeful. I mean, I don't, you know, whereas if you asked me back in before the free agency of the draft, what are the positions that I'm most concerned with? Quarterback would have had to have made the list, right? Right. And while it still does, it's in a different way. It's now not not about is Sam Howell a liability. It's now, well, what's his ceiling? How, where can this go? We We know he's got some of the physical traits. He's looked pretty poised throughout the summer. So I think a lot of this stuff is pretty positive. But, you know, how is he going to handle blitzes? How is he going to handle actually playing a defense that is game planning to stop the offense as well as confuse him? We'll see um, o- over time. But at least it's like, okay, he's w- it looks like he's worthy of being on the field now. Where can it go? So I think that by itself is reason to be optimistic. What right. else, though, beyond how is something you feel better about now than you did, you know, earlier uh, this year? You know, one of the guys I do feel better about is, is the 
it, it really is Emmanuel Forbes, but because of Emmanuel Forbes, it is the whole defensive backfield. You know, whenever you bring in a guy that in the first round of that position, and you know that he's going to play significant, you know, a significant role on defense, I think there is a question mark as to what exactly can he do. And I'm not saying that all of those questions are completely dispersed because he made one goal line tackle in the preseason game that looked really good. But I, I think he has shown the ability, especially all throughout camp, that he is a gamer. And I love it when you come and you fill your defense with guys that are, are gamers. And I look across this defense and in the defensive backfield, and, and I see a lot of guys that are gamers with him, with Cam Curl, with, with Derek Forrest. Like, so there are a bunch of guys out there that I feel a lot more confident about because that was one of the big holes. Like, We know the front four and specifically – is going to be great, right? Like they are a good group of guys. You can rotate a bunch of dudes in there. That front four is going to be good, but I did have a question about the defensive backfield, and I'm a little bit more confident now as we sit here in September than I was in, uh, say, July when camp started. I, I, I often pepper my stories when talking about the secondary with some sort of rock'em, sock'em group, and I probably need <laughs> to change that up. But, but, like, I do feel like it's appropriate for their potential that they've got a lot of guys there that are not afraid to hit and like you could just feel like it before preseason the guys like Derek Forrest and Percy Butler were just itching to 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 pop somebody who wasn't one of their own right teammates so I I agree with that um you know the position flexibility term kind of drives me nuts when we're talking about the offensive line but in the secondary I feel less so uh because obviously at any given point depending on the game you know how the offense schemes of play any of these guys may have to be in coverage, uh, they, you know, they may have to be one on one. They may have to, you know, help out on the double team. They may have, they may be moved around to be closer to the line of scrimmage or play center field. And they do have a lot of guys that can do a lot of these things. So I do, I, I'm with you there. I think there's, I had optimism for this group based on what we saw last year. And now even mm-hmm. more so the fact that Forbes, like you said, looks the part that Percy Butler, you know, I don't know if he's going to be this year's Derek Forrest, but he looks like a guy who is ready to show more than he did previously. And, uh, you know, I think Benjamin St. Just, I mean, I, I I think I would make the case he is the best defensive back they have. Yeah. Uh, I, his versatility really stands out. I think he actually would be better outside. They're going to use him probably more in the slot because of obviously uh, Forbes and Fuller. But, you know, we'll see. They may eventually decide we have to keep him outside because that's where he's the best at and he's the best guy we have. So, so yeah, I'm with you there. There's a lot of reason to be optimistic optimistic there. Um, I'll give you another one, and this is almost weird considering how much we bagged on the offensive line collectively over the last few months. I feel more optimistic about the line because of Sam Cosme and Sadiq Charles. Now, mm-hmm. they got to stay on the field. Both of them have had significant injuries. But in terms of, like, comparing it to last year, you know, Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, we know that didn't go well, but it almost wasn't going to go well from the start because they were just older, beat-up dudes who weren't athletic, you know, in, in the modern sense anymore. Whereas these two guys are. I mean, like, Deron Payne, very early in training camp, he said that, like, Sam Cosme's speed and athleticism was causing him some oh, troubles, probably a bit strong, but causing him to, to have to dig a little bit deeper into his bag of tricks to mm-hmm. to make some plays. And Sadiq Charles, it's never been the issue of can he play? It's just, like I said, a matter of can he stay on the field? And then the other part of the consternation with him is if not, 
They're taking a big risk that the only other guard they kind of have is Chris Paul, a seventh round pick from last year who you know, played one game. But I think of those guys, if this offensive line ultimately finishes better than expected, I think it's going to be because of those two, along with Nick Gates's attitude. Uh, he's he's a he's kind of a madman there in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they those will be the reasons probably more than whatever the tackles do. So I'm I'm more optimistic there, but they got to stay on the field. And from that perspective, who the hell knows? I'm not confident, right. but you know who knows. Um. So so yeah. So that's one for me that's maybe a little bit odd, but I do feel better about it than I did certainly at the start of training camp. Yeah, I, I do too about the interior. Obviously, I think everybody still has questions about the tackles outside. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Charles Leno is like a pitcher. You, you know, if you watch baseball, they're like one year a pitcher is going to have like a crazy season that might be in the Cy Young. The next year they're going to get busted up. And then for whatever reason, uh, the third year they're all of a sudden back to being good again. I'm hoping that Charles Leno kind of reverts back to what he was when he first got here because he was really good when we first when he first landed in this organization. So I hope he reverts kind of back to that more so than what we saw last season. And then you just got the other side to worry about. Right, right. For, uh, for, for, for sure. Um, now the flip side, this is not about being negative people. Just relax. This is just about <laughs> being a realist of what, of what the world looks like. And in this case, it can be a few things, right? You could feel worse about something that's still pretty good. Like if, for example, and this is not the case, if, say, Deron Payne had come in to camp after signing his big contract, you know, not looking particularly motivated. He might still be a really good player, but I don't know if he's going to take things to another level, whereas I actually do, he looks to me like he's poised for another Pro Bowl year. But there are other situations where, like, Ugh, I don't know, man, I think they're pretty below average here, or, you know, somebody just, you know, it's, it's not, it's stressing it, stressing us out. So for right. you, what sort of top of the list of the things that you're most concerned about, most nervous about, what have you? I mean, I'm concerned about Chase. I want Chase Young to work here. Like, I'm very much in the camp of wanting to see Chase Young succeed. But it feels like every time we take a step forward in him getting back on the field, getting back to where he was his rookie season, you take about three steps back. And with the stinger information that's coming out and he's going to see another doctor, I don't feel excessively optimistic that he's going to be ready to go by week one. In fact, I'm getting a little nervous that this might last a couple weeks into the season. I'm not a doctor, but but stingers usually, they they feel like something that's kind of over and done with relatively quick. So the fact that this is prolonged leads me to believe this might be something a little bit more serious which is worrisome because again I want to see this guy succeed I know the talent he has I was a big fan of watching him when he was in college I want to see that version of Chase Young with this front four but I mean at the top of the list right now he's what I'm the most nervous about as we enter the season yeah in, in the story I'll have up Monday on the athletic about sort of kind of where I'm at with with this team in a lot of fronts and basically with Chase Young I I you know, I don't want to put anything definitive because, you know, hopefully he plays and he has looked pretty springy, pr pretty spry, athletic when he's been out there. But basically I wrote like, you know, if if you're putting up the movie poster for this team, he's not on it. No. It's not that he doesn't have the star power. We know he does. But we're talking, I mean, he, he is an extra piece. He's not a feature player for this team. If he works out, he has a great year, you know, fantastic. 
but that's not going to be a main part of the script uh, the, as they're planning it out. I, I don't mean uh, the NFL scripted. I just mean that, <laughs> that you know, you know, Deron Payne, John Allen, you're relying on them. Montez Sweat mm-hmm. for sure. We talked about Sam Howell, Terry McLaurin, et cetera. Chase Young is an extra. He's. I'm not saying he doesn't have more hope than if you know James Smith Williams or Casey Tuhill, but I'm not relying on him at this point. So you're hoping, but I'm not. He's not for me a main a, a main cast member um, as it stands right now, um, and that is a bummer. Uh, you know, there's no two, there's no offense or bad about it. Somebody asked me, yes, was it? Oh wait, was it? I'm trying to think if it was in the show with you guys or was it somewhere else. Um, and now I forgot what they what they were even asking me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, ultimately. We'll see. And, and that's the part that is a huge. Oh, I know what it was. Like, what, why, why, why do people seem to be all up in the arm? I think it was with you guys. Why are people so up in arms about Chase Young? Why can't they just accept it got hurt and kind of move on? And I'm like, well, it's because of what happened last year. I mean, injuries suck and you feel bad for the player. And if they're saying they're not ready, I'm not going to sit here and question that. I'm not going to be somebody who says, you know, rub some dirt on it and get out there. This is what you're paid for, all that stuff. But because last year lingered and lingered and lingered, that it seemed like he was ready to, he was cleared and ready to go, except by the doctors, but he wasn't, that it makes it now happening the second year where it feels like he's out longer than anybody was suggesting or initially that you're like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? Is this, you know, is this guy need to be in perfect shape? Tony Kornheiser used to call Steven Strasburg the orchid. Like everything had to be perfect conditions yeah. for this to work. I don't know if that's where we're at with Chase, but that's where I think a lot of people are, are uh, you know, annoyed, frustrated because, you know, okay, you, you, you broke an ankle, you're out six to ten weeks. Got it. But when it's more of these, well, what's the deal? I think that's where people start to get freaked out. Right. And I, I'm with you there. And you mentioned his star power. Something I do think is interesting, and I hope he recognizes this. He has star power here. If it doesn't work out here, because it's very clear, like Chase Young likes being Chase Young. And to be honest, if I was Chase Young, I would also like to be Chase Young because you have that you have a certain cachet in this market because you're from here. And there are a lot of people that grew up watching you play. And there's a lot of guys that are my age that watched him grow up when he was here. But he doesn't have that elsewhere. So I know he loves being Chase Young. And if he was making the movie poster, I'm sure his face would be front and center on that. But if it doesn't pan out here, the superstar power that that he has, he doesn't draw the same if he goes to like Jacksonville, right? Or if he goes to Houston or any of these other towns where he doesn't really have a a past with. I mean, maybe he'd have a little bit in Cleveland because he played at Ohio State, but there's there's about 30 other teams where they're not going to look at him as a, a superstar anymore. They're just going to look at him as a guy that hopefully they can squeeze something out of very similar to the way that a lot of teams now look at Jadavion Clowney. Yeah. Jadavion Clowney is a, is a good example. Let me ask you this. I brought this up before, um, but you uh, being a, a much younger person than me, I'm curious what you think of this. You know, one of my favorite clips that really puts you in a time frame for players is when the, the Redskins were playing their first Super Bowl mm-hmm. and Joe Theismann's doing the pregame huddle speech motivation moment. And he's talking about, we're going to go out there and do great things. And he goes, and you know, we're going to win and take home the $30,000 each guy gets or something <laughs> like this was a big deal because yeah. you know they weren't making a ton of money. 
And that's how you became, that's how you made money was going deep into the playoffs and also where your notoriety ended up coming from for the most part, you know, the success that you had. Now, this isn't just about football players or athletes. This is about the YouTube generation and the people who become famous for being influencers or whatever. That it's the fame that dictates success, not success dictates fame. Right. Chase Young, by that definition, has made it. The number two pick in the draft. He's been in commercials. He goes on Family Feud. Um, you know, last year, it, we all noted, I was standing there when it happened. They were doing this bit in the locker room. Who's the most famous person you can get on your phone? Some of the players on the team were going, well, probably Chase Young. Chase Young's like, I think I can get Mark Wahlberg. We're like, okay. And then he, like, dials Mark Wahlberg up. And you think even if you do that, Mark Wahlberg is going to be busy. No, right. he answered He answered the, the uh, whatever. I don't have an iPhone. What's the? uh, uh The FaceTime. Yeah, FaceTime. He answered the FaceTime. I'm like, that's insane. Yeah. But so from Chase Young's perspective, he made it. He made that comment two years ago about whether his slow start in 2021 was possibly related to him doing some of these extracurricular things, not being at uh, the mini camps and what have you. He said, hey, I, you know, making my money, you would have done the same. I'm not even so much knocking him. I'm just saying that this is the difference it feels like to me in generations. The Mm -hmm. fame can exist without the success. And I I don't know. That to me is the biggest thing. That's what I've wanted to see all summer. Does he understand he actually has not made it as a football player? He does seem like he put in the work. But now this lingering thing, again, he just may not feel right. But this is where it's like, uh, dude, what what are we doing here? Are are you do you need the world to be perfect for you to play, or are you really hurt, or what's going on? Right, and I'm interested to see if he continues to not play. And again, I want him to play. I want him to 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 make it as a football player, specifically with this organization. But it'll be interesting to see how long that fame continues if he isn't performing because it's not like he has a YouTube show, right? Like if he was doing like a daily vlog or something, there are a lot of people that would tune in to watch that. But, you know, I I don't really know a lot about Chase Young's personality. You know, I, I I happen to miss the family feud. I I love family feud. I I haven't seen the full episode though. Um, But it's not like he's constantly pumping out content. And that's why he was famous because he was a really good football player at Ohio state. But the longer that you kind of separate yourself from that success, I don't think all of those wells are going to run dry when it comes to the fame stuff, but there's a lot of them that will. So the, the football needs to, I'm not saying it's not a priority because I do think it is, but it needs to be a big priority to where he is. he's having a, a successful season this year, no matter how many games he plays. All right. Well, as I said, I don't think I wouldn't put Chase Young on the poster for this team for this season, but there are players who obviously are going to get that type of attention. And I always like to look at this. Like if you said, who are the best players on this team? Like that's a pure talent question. But Mm -hmm. I think I was like looking at it from an indispensable question because sometimes it's still a lot about talent. It can be a lot about personality from a perspective of like a locker room leader. But also it could be the depth of the the of that position, right? Where like last year, to an to a degree, right? Brian Robinson misses the first four games, and they determined they did not have an interior running attack anymore. Yeah, and they didn't play that way. And then they've changed it once Robinson got back, thus making Brian Robinson one of the more indispensable players on the team. 
So I, I often, when I would write about this, I would come up with more than five, but I didn't, I didn't write about it. So I came up with five. <laughs> I'm going to throw them out here. Uh, and, and you can, uh, agree or you can be like, dude, are you, uh, are you okay? <laughs> is, this a, is this a sign for help? All right. Number five. We often talk about this player in such highfalutin terms that it almost comes across as a joke considering the position that he plays. But I legitimately think that Tressway is one of the most <laughs> indispensable players. Now, obviously, you can go get a punter kind of anywhere and seemingly get a guy who would give you 70% of what Tressway could do, maybe even more. I have looked at the market. I'm sure there are guys who were playing last year. But he is such a weapon for them. He's obviously a fan favorite. He's the holder for the, for kicks. He is a tremendous locker room presence. He mm-hmm. is just a, a, a bright light, a, a ray of sunshine with his positivity. I, I, I legit think it would be a huge blow if he were to leave and they would have had to bring in anybody else. So I get that it's somewhat silly based on position, but I legitimately would say, oh, and by the way, uh, when I did my agent survey recently, one of the questions that didn't ultimately make it on the, uh, well, actually, let me, I'll stop there. You react to Tress way, and then I'll add on another point. Well, what do you make of that? No, I like it. I mean, I'm a, I am a big old school football fan. Punting is an important part and it can be used as a, a massive weapon, particularly with this defense. So I'm, I'm not upset about, uh, Tress way being here at, at, at number five. I, I think it does kind of show what this team does. Uh, elsewhere on the roster, but I I I like Tressway being at five. When I so what I was saying before, when I did my my agent survey, um, one of the questions was that that they ultimately got cut was the last two years you had wide receiver and defensive tackle positions getting a big bump up in salary, and what mm-hmm. position do they think would be in line for that next for next offseason and. Yeah, it just you know some sometimes the questions are just you know don't don't result in good answers or enough to be you know we we, we can't I can't have these stories be ten thousand words anyway right. But one person said to me they thought it was interesting that they wonder if the answer is actually going to be punter because or at least would punter be, jump kicker from from that perspective in part because of with kickoffs and you know being devalued right, but also punting. It is the consistently biggest field position swap there is, right? Mm-hmm. That you can, you know, uh, you know, part of the ball, if you want to be a ball control team, which they were the last couple of years, maybe it'll be less so this year. Field position is huge and you've got to be able to, you know, boot, make the other team drive a long way, et cetera. And Tress Wade does that really consistently. So I don't know. Th- that's my answer for number five. Um, like I said, it, it, in a more conventional sense, you wouldn't pick punter, but in terms of this team and who the guy yeah, is. Yeah, punter's think, an option here. Yeah, and I, absolutely. All right, number four. I, I think this is a player who, you know, I don't think anybody gets overly worked up when he doesn't make the Pro Bowl. I don't think people go like, wow, we're looking at, you know, a, a really tremendous guy. And if anything, we're looking at a guy who has enough blunders or mistakes to make you go, I don't know, what's going on here? At the same point, what happens if he's not on the field? What are the options behind him? I, I think are concerning enough. So, you know, Charles Leno is not Jacoby or Trent Williams, 
but the gap, but he might look that way if they have to go with Cornelius Lucas consistently. Trent Scott, I mean, you know, I get why Trent Scott made the team as a veteran, but I, you know, I didn't see a ton from this guy this summer. So I'm saying Charles Leno because I just don't know that they have any other options. I almost went with Sam Cosby for the same reason, but all right, there at least is some hope maybe with Chris Paul or uh, Ricky Stromberg progressing as young players. So I, I went with Charles Leno at number four. I, I would have flipped and put Sam Cosby there because, as you hate, position flex. I mean, that <laughs> that, that that would be the one thing. Uh, as I said, I hope Charles Leno reverts back to the, the first year uh, in Washington. Charles Leno, I do think there is – I do think he can be a really good player. It just last year wasn't it. Um, but I understand what you're saying. There is a massive gap between him and whoever else would be playing his position. But I would flip and say that uh, Sam Cosby, because he's more versatile, should be four. Yeah, and, and Cosby's, you know, again, the upside is greater. I mean, mm-hmm. Leno is kind of what he is. I mean, part of my issue with the offensive line in general is the lack of potential. It's either the lack of potential or the lack of star, you know, Pro Bowl-level talent already. Thus, you know, Andrew Wiley last year playing for Kansas City, he was there, you know, they had three pro bowlers on the line. The other, the other starter was, this, you know, Trey Smith, who was like a young up and coming player. Andrew Wiley was clearly the fifth guy, but you could get away with a role player there the way that sort of the old school Lakers got away with Kurt Rambis because you <laughs> had all this other star talent out there. Right. Here, it's the same guy but you don't have the other fun stuff, not to mention no Mahomes. So yeah, th- th- that's the thing. It's like the line in general just lacks. Wow. But maybe Cosby can get there. So I totally understand it from that perspective. Like I said, I just only I'm giving the, the, the Chris Paul Stromberg sort of like, all right, well maybe they can be viable um, because we just don't know enough about them yet. It, 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 if it came to that, but anyway, uh, totally reasonable. Um, all right, number three, I almost feel like this shouldn't be the answer because they do have a lot of depth at this position, but I, I, I got to go Terry McLaurin, right? I mean, he's got to be on this list somewhere. I know Kevin loves asking me and others the question, is Jahan Dodson going to surpass McLaurin as the best receiver? And if you think there's even a possibility, then then maybe by definition McLaurin is not among the most indispensable, but uh, – until that day, I'm going to go McLaurin for all that he represents, talent, leadership, um, consistency, big playability. So I'll, I'll go McLaurin number three. I like Terry at number three. I do think that Jahan statistically <laughs> is bound for a better year this year than Terry, but it's the leadership things, the character of Terry McLaurin, what he means to this roster, being a guy that signed a second contract here. I think if you factor all of those in here, and plus we literally saw him win this team two games basically by himself in the fourth quarter. I mean, Heineke did a little bit of help, but like not much help. So I, I like Terry at number three, but I'm I'm excited for Jahan this year. Yeah, same. I'm almost, I, I feel like there's too almost too much excitement for Jahan this year to the point where it's like uh, the smell test, you know, as Kevin would say. It's almost <laughs> like it's going too much into Jahan's going to be great cat, uh, direction. But yeah, I'm with you. I think he's going to have a really fun year. And obviously, you know, one of the huge questions for this team is when is Terry going to be back? I kind of almost hoping we don't see him week one, not because I want him to be injured, but because they shouldn't have to use him. And if it, you don't want this injury to to linger. So right, we, we'll, we'll see over the next few days, um, you know, whether he's out on the practice field and looking like a guy for week one. 
All right, number two, I'm going to cheat slightly. <laughs> because I don't know how to separate John Allen and Deron Payne, meaning, you know, whatever. You want to say D- D- John Allen's a better guy or Deron Payne's a better guy. I think the issue from this indispensable standpoint remains the same. What is fascinating about them together is that they are together. Mm-hmm. It's not easy for a, for an offense to double-team both of them inside on any given play. You kind of have to, if you want to pick one, fine, but you really kind of can't pick both, especially when you've got Montez Sweat and a healthy Chase Young on the outside. So for number two, I went John Allen and Deron Payne in that if you lose one of them, for whatever the reason, now you can double team the other guy. And I'm not saying that guy can't be double teams, but now it's going to be a more complicated situation to do it. So I think it's the combination of them together playing together. You take one off the field. I think it's just going to naturally make it much more harder for the other guy. And they are the linchpin of the defense. If this defense is going to be top 10, that those two guys in the middle will be the primary driver for that. Yeah, I, I honestly would have put them at one, and I would have put them together. You're right. I see where you're coming from there. I do think this is the new the new future of the way the defenses are going to be built. I think there was such a long time, and I still see the value, obviously, in edge rushers. But having two dominant guys on the interior, I think, can cause an opposing offense way more difficulty than having one really good guy on the outside because of just the natural chaos that will ensue if you have two guys that – one of them or both of them can't be double teamed because there's two of them. So I would have put these guys up at number one, but I, I'm I'm with you here. I like them on the list. All right, so uh, we got the number one. Would you like to Would you like to offer who your number one would be at this point, or guess who I have? Or I'm gonna guess yours is is the quarterback position with the uh, and Samuel. It is not actually. Oh, real? Oh, it was a B enemy. No, not him. No, not him either. Um, it's not how, but only because Jacoby Brissett exists, right? So if Sam Howell had to leave, sure, you're going to lose a certain level of upside again and all that stuff. But Jacoby Brissett's been a guy that has played in this league. I, I don't feel like their chances of winning drop dramatically. I mean, again, you know, they're going to have to maybe change up exactly what they do and be a little more conservative, but I, I think they could still win games. Um, no, I went, uh, and it was more along the lines of the of the prior conversation about defensive tackles versus uh, edge rushers. I went with Montez Sweat because really? until Chase Young plays or does something, I mean, look, even if he's playing, he, he has one and a half sacks in his last 12 games dating back to 2021. Montez Sweat is the only proven consistent edge rusher they have right now. James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill, I think, are fine. I wrote about them um, in my story. But they're not going to give you those dynamic plays. And, you know, Andre Jones looks like a guy that hypothetically could. But, you know, come on. I'm not going to (laughs) – I'm I'm not penciling him in for anything other than maybe some fun moments, and we'll see what happens there. K.J. Henry is even below that. And so if you were to lose Montez Sweat, I just don't know where they're getting their – pass rush from on the perimeter it, uh, you know so now it's just on those two guys inside so you know again i'm not this is not about pure talent this is about talent but also things like depth i just think if they lose montez sweat until chase young shows he's ready i i think that would be a huge drop off for this defense um if if he were not on the field 
Yeah, I would move Allen and Payne to the number one slot and move Sweat to two, but I, I get where you're coming from there because you're I hadn't even thought about that when it comes to losing him because you're you're right with I mean I like those other guys. I mean if Andre Jones ends up being like a a nine, ten years sack kind of player, I mean you have hit the lottery with him. Right now he is a preseason hero. I mean it's gonna be like week six and we might never hear the name Andre Jones again, right? So I, I understand where you're coming from, but I would still put uh Allen and Payne at number one. Yeah, I, I I can't argue. And maybe maybe I'd put sweat one just to be somewhat different. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I said, that's just how I look at look look at it. I mean, um, you know, obviously there it, it now you know, Allen and Payne, you know, I, the backup is what? John Ridgeway is a pure run stopping guy, and Fedarian Math is kind of the same when he's when he's able to play. So you would lose the pass rushing element there, but at least I think those other guys could at least do you know, give you the, the, the run stop, which is yeah. not half the battle for that position, but, you know, still a huge com- component of that, um, of that job. Um, all right. Let me ask you, cause I know that Kevin gives you your own uh, segment at times mm-hmm. on, on the show. And I'm just sort of springing this on you. What for you is like a topic, you know, you, you know, you, you've had to plan your own shows. What's a topic for you that like, you just find super fascinating, for this team going into this season that maybe we just haven't discussed yet. I, I think it is the wide receivers because I, lo- I love watching wide receiver plays and I only was able to make it out to one practice this year, but getting to see Jahan Dotson practice, the more I see him up close and personal, the more I am stunned with his ability to create separation in such small spaces. So a topic that I've been trying to get uh, both Kevin and then this past week with Doc and Linnell to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about it. I guess I must be the only one that feels that this is interesting. But I think that Jahan's going to have a better year statistically than Terry, just based on how Eric Bieniemy is going to want to use him and his ability to get open quick. I, I love Jahan. I think him, I think he could really... I mean, I don't want to like make a prediction for a stat line, but if he goes over 1,200 or 1,300 yards, I'm certainly not going to be stunned. Yeah, no, I, like we said before, I hear you. I mean, I, I think Jahan is definitely poised for a um, for a big year. His ability to create space, to get open, is just so impressive. You know, another one of those terms Ron probably overuses, certainly last year, catch radius. Mm-hmm. Um Jahan has that. He plays bigger than his listed size or, you know, look at him. He's hardly, you know, if you were playing on a basketball court, you would take him to the hole and post him up all day long, but he does play bigger than that listed size. And, you know, like Terry, he's got a, a an advanced maturity about him. So, yeah, I, I think he could absolutely be what you said, the, 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 at a minimum, the statistically most, uh, the statistical leader for this team as a receiver, I don't think that's um, a crazy view um, at all. By the way, I, I also mentioned this in the story I wrote. Is it fair to say that the most under-discussed player on offense, at least, is a guy that we only talked about more than everybody in 2021, and that's Curtis Samuel? I, I feel like he yeah. is completely <laughs> – we, we talk about the quarterback, obviously, a ton. We talk about the offensive line. We talk about Terry – healthy or not healthy we talk about what the tight end curtis samuel like the guy was like second or third in like most of their receiving stats last year and it's almost like i don't know if we're taking for granted or 
he's not as interesting because he's he's healthy, I guess. Like, I don't know. We just don't seem to talk about him at all. And he's obviously going to be a pretty significant piece in this offense, even though this offense has a lot of playmakers as well. Yeah, it does feel like he's become afterthought almost seems more derogatory, but he, he does he's flying very much under the radar with the exception of a few people that still don't like him because of of the injury stuff. I know there's still some of them that are kind of hanging around there, but we really haven't heard his name a ton. And I think he could be a hugely versatile weapon in the enemy's offense. All right. Last sort of random one before we get to our, uh, the, the, our line game that's sweeping the nation. Uh, we, we, we spend a lot of time about who's going to be on the practice squad and things like that. And I know people mm-hmm. were up in arms at uh, how dare they release Jake from the best quarterback, you know, this side of Tom <laughs> Brady. Well, fortunately he made it back to the practice squad, which guy on the practice squad, you can pick anybody, but which guy on the practice squad do you think ultimately has the most, you know, has the biggest impact on this team? I mean, some of the more obvious na- names would be, I mean, Jake Fromm, if he has to play, then that would be something. Derek Gore, essentially the fourth running back. Casimir Allen, a lot of attention, whether it's as a re- mostly as a returner. Um, Alex Arma, you know, could be called upon to be that fullback or an extra tight end. Or on defense, you know, they just add Jabril Cox, which a linebacker, which I think has got to be a nod towards some concerns there with mm-hmm. what they have overall. Whether it's those guys or anybody else, who, who would you peg as sort of the – the, the practice squad guy you think could have the, the biggest impact? Well, I sure hope it's not Jake Fromm. If Jake Fromm's having the biggest impact, something has gone terribly wrong for this team. Yeah. I, I'm looking up and down this list. Honestly, I do think this isn't a sexy answer, but I think it can be Mason Brooks because as we mentioned, the health on the offensive line has been a big issue over the past few years for this team. So knowing that and knowing that there's guys that – have struggled to stay on the field. Having a guy like him who from everything that I've read and, and what you've reported had a good camp, they they liked him. They liked him a, a good amount. So I, I think a guy like Mason Brooks could be a guy that maybe we, we get used to. And uh, I guess I'll give you two here because on defense, uh, Tariq Castro fields. If somebody goes down to that defensive backfield and they say, all right, man, uh, today's your turn. You're going to go up there and let's just hope they don't do what they did last year. Uh, against Philadelphia, where they had never really seen Rashad Wagu's play, and they said, uh, "Go cover uh, Devonte Smith," and we're just gonna we're just gonna let you deal with that one, and it didn't work out well. Yeah, no, I I, I like I like those answers. I mean, the offensive line definitely feels like not only do they typically have injuries there, but you can't tell me that like all the guys on that group are upset, you know, being right. on the roster. Period or you know, the, the, they're the definitive next man up, even if they're on the 53 versus other other guys. All right, let's get to the lines. Um, some of you gave me suggestions for this, for what I should call this. I, I haven't picked anything yet. So suggestions, the door's still open. Uh, okay. The deal is I, I have two random, two random items pitting together. But rather mm-hmm. than just saying Peyton Manning or Tom Brady's better than Peyton Manning, what's the spread on it? What's yeah. the line that you would create? Um, you know, minus three, whatever. Um, my alley. And then explain, you know, why you feel this way. So let's start with this. And I'm going to lean into your producerness here. Okay. Because you're the one who has to field the calls before they get on the air with Kevin. Yes. And you have to determine sort of, A, does this person seem like they are have, have a good topic? Do they seem like they're radio ready? What are they doing here? So it's early here on this one part, but here's what I want to know. What's the spread on the mania between, I, I don't know, what are we calling Sam Howell's 
back or is it ha- Haliax? Uh, uh, lights, maybe something like that. How okay, uh, that or the Heineke Hive. What, what, what's the line between the mania between where the the Hal fans are and the Heineke fans were? I mean, I gotta think that's uh, that's Heineke at least getting five and a half there. So I would say Heineke five and a half, maybe. If I'm really feeling ballsy there, you know what? I'll give him a touchdown. So I'll say Heineke seven and a half there. People were so absurd with him. We still get calls about Taylor Heineke. He's on a completely different team. We have a quarterback that we're pretty confident in now and a backup that we're also confident in. And somehow we still get callers that are going to call in and revert things back to Taylor Heineke. They're bringing up games from like two years ago. I mean, I, the the amount that I've heard that Atlanta Falcons game reference and that balloon he threw up to Terry McLaurin that was really more of a punt than a throw is absurd. I hope and pray for my mental sanity, for your mental sanity, that the whatever the Sam Howell, whatever you want to call him, the Howell lights, I hope it doesn't get there unless it's 1,000% justified. So I'm going to go on Heineke 7.5 there. All right, well, look, I, this is an example where you being you know on the front line – for these calls and having to listen to them on the regular, um, you're 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 the expert on this one. I'll 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 I'll, I'll go with I'll go six and a half, uh, just to uh you know try to try to uh you know get get some some action on uh on both sides of this. I do think the how people, I mean like, you know whenever I would point out, hey Sam Howell was a fifth round pick, they they, they could have picked him earlier, they didn't. He you know I wrote the story a few months a few weeks ago. That basically what they're doing is unprecedented over the last 12 to 15 years that no quarterback has been given the week one start without injury to somebody else with only the one career start under his belt as a second-year player. So it's pretty unprecedented, and you bring this up and people think, you know, you just said that uh, Sam Howell should be uh, deported out of the country or something. Like, people get (laughs) so upset to just even call out, like, facts. I, I don't know, so... I think I'm with you on Heineke, but uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll keep. I I I have confidence that how people can take it to another level uh, at some point here. All right, this one's a little. I always have one that's a bit random, has nothing to do with football. Um, we mentioned before, unfortunately, today is a day, or you know, Jimmy Buffett passed mm-hmm. away. Two things he's saying about you. Give me the line on for you on these two items: okay. cheeseburgers versus margaritas. What's the line on cheeseburgers versus margaritas? If you would have asked me this two years ago, my perspective would be different, but I'm trying to be like a little bit more healthy. So I'm going to give margaritas, I'm going to give margaritas three and a half. So margaritas minus three and a half. There's, there's nothing better than on a nice Friday night, enjoying a margarita with good company. So I'm going to say margaritas three and a half. Over the cheeseburgers. I love cheeseburgers, though. So if you're a big like cheeseburger fan, please don't come for my neck on the Twitter machine. I, I just think margaritas are going to get the they're going to get the edge here. As an American staple, right? Cheeseburger would have to be the favorite, right? I mean, it could mm-hmm. be a, a a pretty good favorite as well. Like I said, I hear that song. I want to get a cheeseburger when I want a cheat meal. If it's not pizza, it's probably a cheeseburger, but. If it's like I'm going out and I like it, it, to get my excitement level gets higher when I'm like, ooh, it's a margarita night. The weather is <laughs> nice. I mean, a couple of years ago, like I that became my uh, obsession drink. 
So if I'm putting on, if I'm putting on, like I said, my excitement, if that's where I'm leaning, then I would go probably what you said, Margarita minus three and a half. But as like a day to day staple, I guess I will ultimately go cheeseburger minus two and a half. A good cheeseburger, not McDonald's. Yeah. Even McDonald's right. is gone. So I did a McDonald's bit here a couple weeks ago. <laughs> I, they, they just lost it. I don't know. It's uh, you can't. I don't think you can win with McDonald's anymore. It's like um, anyway. But it was a, a good margarita, and that is the other key, right? It's got to be a good one, right? You know, they don't always. Um, you yeah, know, so they, sometimes a mixed drink can be not, a risk. Some, yeah, some it's point. not mixed properly. Maybe the salt isn't good. It's bad salt on the rim. You got to. There's a lot of factors into making a good margarita. Yes, uh, absolutely. All right, last one. Back to Sam Howe. What's your line of Sam Howe optimism? versus Sam Howell concern entering the season? I would say optimism two and a half, laying two and a half. I'm more optimistic than I am concerned. I think it's natural to have concerns, but I'm not sitting here with a pit in my stomach like this is going to go terribly wrong the way that I did with Carson Wentz last year. We knew that from the jump. I was like, this is not going to work. I don't know why they did this. This was idiotic on their part. I don't think that the Sam Howell attempt is idiotic. I think there's something there. There is a little bit of something. So I'm going to say I'm more optimistic. I'm going to give optimis- optimism the, the two-and-a-half-point favorite. You know, this is the time of year for optimism, right? I mean, spring training or, or training camp, everybody's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl, right? This, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen, and especially in the NFL, right? I mean, we see it every year. Teams go worse to first. And at that position, you know, if Sam Howell turns out to be a real one, then with the defense that they have and the playmakers, and look, the NFC is, you know, you get past the Eagles and the 49ers, and I don't know who to, who I would definitively say are contenders. Don't take anything I just said as to say go bet on them to win the Super Bowl <laughs> or the NFC East. But there's reason to be op- optimist, optimistic. And to your point, I think he's shown enough for me not to be overly concerned now. I can't mm-hmm. go you know, crazy and say the optimism is so great that he's going to get favored by a lot of points. So I'll I'll go one and a half, but I'm willing to, you know, if you told me the line got bumped up to three and a half, I'd be willing to potentially still take optimism because he looks like a fun player and there's, there's definitely hope, but that is different than saying he's, he's the solution that they've been looking for for a hundred years. Right. Um, all right. So what do you think of that game? I, I, I like to get feedback off the bat. Do, do, do we like no, I, uh... I do. I do like that game. And, you know, I'm a I'm a huge DJ. So uh, and anytime I can set some lines, I, I feel pretty confident in that. All right. Well, now that you've gone through it, you know, you're a creative guy. If you think of a name for this for this segment, <laughs> let me know. Same with everybody else who is uh, who is listening. All right, Den, I really appreciate the time. Tell everybody where they can uh, find all find all you and social media and anything else you got going on. Yeah, you can hit me on Twitter at the Denton Day, and uh, I will make a promise to everyone that follows me. I will at least attempt to make you money uh, during college and NFL football season with some gambling bets. Because again, huge DGen over here. All right, well, that's why you and Kevin uh, get along <laughs> quite well. Um, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I, I assume I will be talking to you a couple times this week. <laughs> I appreciate it as always, man. Thank you. 
All right. Many thanks to Denton Day for his time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, more to come this coming week as uh, we head towards the season opener. And uh, obviously, we'll be staying on top of the various injuries and other news about this team. But that is it for now. Until next time, see ya.